Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we pray that you are blessed. Good morning, Relove Church, and welcome to Relove at Home. We are here on episode five of our identity series, and we're gonna jump right into the Word of God. Now, for today, I really wanna take some time to look back at where we've been over the last four sermons and four episodes of this particular series, just to make sure that you are following along, only because I recognize that what we're talking about today and what we've been talking about throughout the series is really might be slightly different from what you've listened, what you're familiar with. And so I just really want to make sure you're coming along. And so we're going to take a moment and we're going to recap and then we're going to jump into today's word. But before we do that, let's just have a word of prayer together. Father in heaven, I thank you again for this day that you've given us a day where we can come together and worship and connect with you. And God, I just pray for the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart to be acceptable in thy sight. I pray, oh God, that those who are watching this, listening to this, that they would truly hear what you are trying to say to them and that they might experience life change. They might experience a, a new identity in Christ. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started five weeks ago this identity series. And when we started, we started off by talking about Gideon in Judges in chapter 6. And if you remember, we talked about how Gideon was operating in a place where he did not recognize fully who he was. And so the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Gideon, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And when the angel called out of Gideon his true identity, Gideon was then able to rise to the occasion. He went forward. He got his household in, in order. He tore down the, the prophets of Baal that his household was worshiping. He then went and he attacked the Midianites with only 300 soldiers, and he was able to defeat them. Actually, the Lord was able to defeat them because he didn't really have to lift a sword at all. The Lord fought that battle for him. But Gideon's success was largely based on his ability to understand who he was, his identity. We then moved forward and we talked about how God has given us noise-canceling headphones, enemy-canceling headphones. And we established that in Luke chapter 3, God, Jesus was baptized and God said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And right after Luke chapter three, Jesus went into the wilderness and there the devil tempted him, questioning the very thing that God had just established in him. He says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, cast yourself down from this mountain. He was literally questioning Jesus's identity and that what Jesus did is the same thing that you and I have to do. We have to put on some enemy canceling headphones because what the devil wants us to do is he wants us to think that our identity is the result of our activity, but that's not how God works. What God says is, no, let me help you understand who you are first. And then once you understand your identity, that drives your activity. And so again, just with Gideon and also with God, with Jesus, is that we have to understand who we are. Then we dealt with Genesis in chapter three, and we talked about how the devil is constantly trying to 
get us to misunderstand who God is. And if he can get us to misunderstand who God is, then he can get us to misunderstand who we are. We talked about this with Adam and Eve in the garden and, and how we have to, as we move forward in this, in this world, we have to put on the helmet of salvation because this helmet of salvation guards our frontal lobe, it guards our mind, and helps us to remember who we are in Christ. Then in episode four, which was last week, we talked about how the devil is the chief label maker. You all remember that? The CLM. And as the chief label maker, the devil is constantly making labels, lazy, stupid, not good enough, not worthy, unrighteous. And he's putting these labels on us. And we established last week that while the devil is the chief label maker, God is not a label maker at all. God is a creator. He is a declarer. He declares the word over our life, that God is creative energy. That he doesn't have to label us. He creates in us. And so God calls us righteous. He calls us holy. He calls us his son, his daughter, his child. That he calls us blameless without accusation. That he is creating his image in us by declaring his word over our life. And that you and I, that we have to reject the labels and we have to reject the label maker and understand that who we are is what Christ has called us to do. So put down the label maker and pick up the declarations. And, and for each one of these weeks that we've been dealing with this idea of identity and understanding who we are, we have encouraged you to go to our website, relove.church, and to go and download some of the daily declarations. Every day, our prayer is that you have been reciting and saying or listening to these declarations being spoken over you because we have to continue to affirm who we are in Christ because we live in a world where we are constantly being bombarded with the lies of the enemy. Well, today I want to just take it a step further. And today I want to talk about how, 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 like really the foundation and to really slow down and help you truly understand why this is so important and how you can truly experience a new identity in Christ. You know, when I think about this whole idea of identity, the place where it comes from or the place where it starts when you when you pick up a new identity when you become when you accept Christ as your savior like when you when you become a christian right when you become a christian that really is the starting point for your new identity like when you accept Christ as your savior, whether you get baptized or profession of faith, when you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, when you, when you repeat the sinner's prayer, you confess your faults before God and you say, Jesus, please cover me in your blood and you accept him and you invite the Holy Spirit into your life. In that moment is where God begins this identity work in you. In fact, I just want to make sure that it's extremely clear that that is when you accept Christ, you become a new person. Not, not the idea of a new person, not cognitively, intellectually, or even theoretically a new person. When you accept Christ, you practically, literally, like ex experientially become a new person with a new identity. Now, many of us have not we, we haven't experienced this because we say, okay, yeah, I know theoretically, I know what the Bible says, I'm a new person, but I still feel the same old Seth. I still feel the same old person. What's going on? Why is it that I don't 
really feel like a new person, even though the Bible says I'm a new person. That's what we're going to deal with today. You know, when you accept Christ, the Bible tells us that he literally takes your heart of flesh and he gives you, no, he takes your heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. Let me, let me just read it for you. I want you to get this. It's in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. The word of God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. This is what God does for us. That when I accept him, he takes my heart and I literally experience a heart transplant. My old heart, my heart of stone, my heart of rebellion, my heart of, of not being faithful or loyal, my heart of, of being an enemy to God. He takes this heart of stone away from me and he gives me a heart that is soft and malleable to his word, that is receptive to who he is and what he is calling us to do in our lives. Paul says it a little bit differently. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the body, in this flesh, in my mortal body, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hear, hear what Paul is saying. That Paul is saying that when I accept Christ and I get baptized, I invite him into my life. While Seth is still here, Seth is no longer living. Christ is now living inside of me. And so the way that I orient in this life and the way that I interact in this world and the way that I interact with my friends and my family and my children and my spouse and my, and my employees and my boss and the way that I interact in this space is not based off of Seth, the flesh, but is now based off of Christ, the spirit who is living inside of me. Now, we have to fundamentally understand this if we're going to ever really embrace this new identity that we are in Christ. This new Christ living inside of me, it is not just a theory. It is something that you should experience every single day of your life. And so because Christ is living inside of me, I no longer identify as sinner. I no longer identify as failure. I no longer identify as unrighteous. Why? Because Christ, the righteous one, is living inside of me. And so now I identify as righteous and holy and faithful and blameless and without accusation. Now I identify as his son, his daughter, his child, an heir to the throne. Why? Because Christ is now living inside of me. That's why last week I said, don't call yourself a sinner saved by grace. If you're going to say anything about which, where you've been, declare that I was a sinner, but now I am righteous in Christ, being made perfect by the blood of the Lamb, and I am saved. I know there's a lot of you all out there who, who wrestle with that declaration, I am saved. You feel like you'd rather say, I hope to be saved, or I cross my fingers, hope to die, plan to be saved. But to actually declare that you are saved, you feel like it's presumptuous. It's, it's, uh, it's um, 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 something that you really should not articulate. But I want to tell you, if Christ is living in you, you are saved. And that if you were to drop down right now, dead, watching this message, you can have the reassurance that the next voice you will hear is the voice of our Father, the voice of Jesus Christ calling you from the grave, saying, my child, come home. That as Christians, we have that confidence because Christ is living in me by faith. I am saved. 
many of us, we wrestle with this. Um, most of us, as I've mentioned, believe this in theory, but it has not actually been experienced in us. And I think one of the reasons why we wrestle with this is because we fundamentally don't really understand the process of salvation. The process of salvation, theologians and scholars have really broken it down into three steps, right? Um, the first step is what we call justification. Justification is when you are literally made right with God, right? You have been justified. It's like if you are um, uh, you go to court and the, the, the judge, someone's coming against you, you've committed a crime, the judge says not guilty, you have been justified. In that moment, you are no longer responsible for whatever crime they are saying that you committed. You are free to go. You have been justified. In Christ, we have experienced justification. But justification is just the first step because after justification is what we call this process called sanctification. And sanctification is me actually being molded and shaped and formed into the image of God. I still have some habits. I still have some issues. And God is working his will out in my life through the process of sanctification. And many of us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, we have adopted that ideology that sanctification is the process of a lifetime. You may be familiar with that phrase, the process of a lifetime, which essentially says that as long as I live, I will experience this, I will be in this sanctification process, this being cleansed, being made, cleansed, being, being purified, being perfected. The last stage after sanctification comes glorification. And glorification, we believe, is when Christ comes back again and he takes us home. And we then take this mortal body, this sinful flesh, that, that if you cut me, I'll bleed. And we put on immortality. That is what we call glorification. Where my, my, my back pain, my neck pain, my, 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 my hip pain, it goes away. I now have a new physical body. I have been glorified. What, what some of us have done is we have conflated the terms. We've mixed them up, thinking that I can't experience sanctification until I have experienced, excuse me, that I can't experience justification until I have experienced sanctification. We've conflated the terms. So we feel, some of us feel, as though I can't really be justified, which means to be made right with God. I can't be made right with God until somehow my behavior or the sanctification process has taken root in my life. So I can't be made right with God as long as I'm, as long as I'm smoking. I can't be made right with God as long as I'm sleeping around. I can't be made right with God as long as I am lying and cheating and stealing and wrestling with depression and anxiety and unbelief and insecurities. I can't be made right with God as long as there, there is this, this deviant, immoral behavior manifesting itself in my life. We believe that. Many of us believe that. But what I want to say to you is that is not what the Word of God says. Hear, hear what I'm saying. The Word of God clearly articulates to us that justification precedes sanctification and precedes glorification. And I just want to show you what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. So while I was sleeping around and smoking and drinking and depressed and anxiety and insecurities, while I was doing all of this sinner stuff, the Bible says, Christ showed his love for me in the midst of my sins by sending his son to die for me. Then in verse 9, he says something very interesting. And since we have been made right in God's sight, 
right in God's sight, justified. Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from condemnation. Did you hear what Paul just said? He said, because we have been made right, because we have been justified in God's sight, not by you stopping smoking, not by you stopping doing these deviant behaviors, not by you overcoming sin, you have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Jesus Christ. Period. It is the blood that justifies you. It is the blood that's, that, that, that makes you right in God's sight. And so as soon as you accept Christ and you say, Lord, cover me with your blood, fill me with your Holy Spirit, in that instant, you are made right in God's sight. You are justified. And Christ steps into your life and begins to work out his beautiful will in your life. When you accept Christ, God no longer deals with you according to your sin, but he deals with you according to your Savior. When you accept Christ, God no longer deals with you according to your sin, but he deals with you according to your Savior. The way that I like to illustrate this, just so that we're extremely clear, is let's just use a, a basketball analogy. So imagine that you, when, when you were born, you were drafted into the league, right? And you were drafted, you were picked up by a particular team. And this team, we're going to call this the devil's team. We're going to call this uh, team sin. All of us, when we were born, we were immediately drafted into team sin. And for all of our life, for most of our life, we have lived and played for team sin, We've tried to score, we've tried to win championships, we've, we've, we've played, we've performed for Team Sin. But when Christ came along, what Christ does is he proposes a trade. He proposes to trade us from Team Sin into Team Righteousness, to Team Christ. God comes along and says, hey, Satan, I'll give you my star player for, and you give me these, 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 uh, these average players. And Satan's like, all right, so Christ was traded for us. He went to team sin, and we now are on team righteous. We literally have switched places. Now, I just want to, to, to really drive this home. When you accept Christ, you are essentially being born into a new team. You see, when you were born the first time, you were born in sin, Psalms tells us. You were shaped in iniquity. Your orientation was to selfishness. Your orientation was to rebellion against God. You were fully on team sin. But when you accepted Christ, you became born again. But not onto the same team. You were born into team righteousness. So now you are a part of God's team. Now, the Bible tells us this in John chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. It tells us, there was a man, the Bible says, named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to Jesus, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What Jesus is essentially saying is as long as you are on team sin, you cannot be in the kingdom of heaven. The only way you can get into the kingdom of heaven is to be born team righteous. You have to be born again. 
What do you mean, Nicodemus explained? Uh, How can an old man go into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only humans, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus is describing to us that when you accept me, you must be born again. And that newborn is placing you on a new team. Now, now let me just try to illustrate this again. Imagine that you are now traded from one team to the next. Let's just use a practical illustration. Imagine that LeBron James went from playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now he is on, he got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, what sense would it make for LeBron James to now be a Los Angeles Laker, but yet still rep Cleveland Cavalier jerseys? I I mean, what would you think about LeBron James if he showed up to practice? wearing a Cavaliers jersey. What would you think about LeBron James if he showed up to a game wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers jersey? What would you think about him if he showed up wearing a Cleveland hat and a Cleveland jacket and Cleveland garments? Like like you would think this this brother doesn't know what team he's on. (laughs) He does not realize he's been traded. The expectation is that when you join a new team, you rep that new team. You identify with that team. You start learning the history of that team and how you can fit into that team and, 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 and your role in that team. You start truly understanding that who I am now is a Laker. I am no longer a Cavalier. For many of us, we have been traded, but we still identify with Team Sin. Oh yeah, I know I'm, I know I'm Team Righteous. I know I'm Team Jesus, but I just feel like I'm still on Team Sin. I still act like I'm on Team Sin. I still rep Team Sin gear. And God is looking at us saying, like, don't you know who you are? Don't you know the price that was given for you? I mean, imagine, just imagine if someone traded if you were traded to another team and the person who who you were traded for was much more better than you, the new team would look at you still representing your old team like, we gave up what for you? Like, understand that, that God gave up his son to bring you on his team. So therefore, start identifying with the team that you are now on. If you have been born again, no longer claim the devil's team. Claim the team that you are on. I am a Laker. I'm on team, I'm on team righteous. I am, I am righteous. I am holy. I am, I am a saint. I'm a child of God. And even though I don't always feel like it, and even though I may not always act like it, this is where I am because this is where I've been traded. Understand who you are in Christ. You are now on team righteous. Justification is you being traded from team sin to team righteous. Sanctification is you learning how to play with your new teammates. Glorification is you winning the championship and going home to to the kingdom of heaven. Understand that, that, that because you are now on this new team, why do you still feel like you are on the other team? 
Why do you still act like you're on the devil's team? Why do you still behave like you're on the devil's team? Why do you still cuss folk out like you're on the devil's team? Listen, you are now on a new team. So therefore, carry yourself like you're on a new team. Now, I know some of you all might be saying, well, I played so long on the devil's team and I, 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 and I, just, I just can't shake some of those old habits that I used to, used to have. And I get that. I understand that while you might feel that you have accepted Christ, you're still not on Christ's team because your behavior doesn't align with what is expected from people who are playing on Christ's team. But this is where faith steps in. Because faith says, no matter how I feel, I'm still on God's team. Faith says, no matter what I've done, I am still on God's team. Faith says, no matter what's going on in my life, I believe I am on God's team. So yeah, I made some mistakes yesterday. Yes, I messed up the other day. Yes, I got some crazy thoughts, but I am still righteous. I am still a child of God. Why? Because, because, because God traded Christ for me. And that was a hefty one-way trade. And so I'm embracing who I am now in Christ. You see, you and I, we want to behave our way into belief. (laughs) But that's not how it works. We don't behave our way into belief. We believe our way into behavior. (laughs) Okay, I want you to get this. You don't behave your way into thinking like, well, if if I can just act like a Laker, then then maybe eventually I'll be a Laker. No, 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 that's not how it works. No, you believe your way into belief. So I believe I'm a son. I believe I am a daughter. I believe I am righteous. I believe I am holy. Even though I don't behave like it, I'm going to keep believing this thing. And as long as I believe and hold on by faith, believing who I am now in Christ by faith, and that Christ is now living in me by faith, I know that over time, my and, and, and a lot of times, sooner than we expect, our behavior will begin to align with our beliefs. Activity does not lead to identity. Identity leads to activity. So if you're still struggling with pornography, masturbation, sex, out of marriage, smoking, drinking, lying, cheating, I would ask you the question, who do you believe you are? You must not believe you're righteous. You must not be identifying with team, with team, team Christ. Because if you truly understood who you were, that identity then begins to root out all immoral behavior out of your life. And don't get me wrong. I'm not talking up here talking about you need to be perfect and you need to never make a mistake. No, 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 no. Perfection is not the goal. It is not perfection that I work to and try to obtain on my own. But it is me understanding who I am. I am a child of the king, an heir to the throne. As such, there's just certain things I don't do. Not because I'm perfect in, 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 in my own attempts to strive for perfection, but I am being made perfect in Christ by faith. Faith in what he did for me. So what team are you on? If you've accepted Christ, you are on team righteous. And if you've accepted Christ on Team Righteous, well, by golly gee, I want you to act like it and start declaring the promises of God over your life. Let me try to illustrate it one more way for you, and then we'll, then we'll wrap up. Um, in Romans 7, Paul gives a very good illustration for how this whole thing works. In Romans 7, Paul says, um, 
he, he relates our walk with God and our position in God to a marriage, specifically a Jewish marriage. Now, uh, during the time of Jewish marriages, old school Jewish marriages, the wife was seen as the possession of the husband, right? We're talking about old school. That's not how we view marriage now. But old school Jewish marriages, the wife was seen as the possession of the husband. So much so that even if the husband divorced her or put her away, she was still seen as his possession. So therefore, she could not get remarried. She couldn't marry another man until her husband died. She could not marry someone else until her husband died, even though they may have been divorced. The only way she could be freed is if she died or he died. Paul in Romans 7, Romans 6 and 7, he begins to help us understand that similarly, when we were born, we were married to sin. Sin had possession of us. It controlled us. In fact, he uses language like we are slaves to sin, bound to sin, married to sin. But then he goes on and he says, but because of Christ, we now, Romans 7, we have died to sin. And because we have died to sin, sin no longer has possession of us. Okay, okay, let me just read it for you because I want you to get it and we'll be done. Romans 6. I want you to get Romans 6. Romans 6, verse 5, he says, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Here's what he's saying. He's like, my, my sinful self, I was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in my life. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Christ went to the cross. He died. When I accept Christ as my Savior, I, I, I metaphorically go to the cross with him and I die. And so now because I have died, I am now free from the possession and power of sin. He says, verse 8, and since we die with Christ, we no longer live. We, we, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and we will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, talking about Christ, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also, verse 11, should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. You are dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. Remember, Jewish marriage, husband and wife, husband possessed, had possession of the wife. The only way for her to be free is one of them had to die. Sin was our master. The only way for us to be free is either sin or we have to die. When Paul, what Paul is saying is that when Christ went to Calvary, he took us with him. When he died, we died with him. So that now, because we are dead in Christ, we now are free from the law of sin. And now we are alive to marry a better bride. Well, not a bride, a groom. To marry a better savior. In Romans 7, verse 5, he says it like this. When we were controlled by our own old nature, 
sinful desires were at work within us. And the law accused these evil desires that produce a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law for we have died to it and are no longer captives to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. When you accept Christ, you accept his death and you are being traded to a new team. And even though you may still feel as though you belong to the old team, you are free from the devil's possession and you are free from the devil's team. And now you belong to Christ. So live like it. Believe like it. And if you believe like it, you will live like it. Sin no longer is how we identify ourselves. You are not a sinner. You are righteous in Christ. Last text I want to share for you, Colossians chapter 3. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. So my big idea for you today is that I want you to understand that you have been traded to a new team. Stop thinking you are on the other team. You've been traded. So now put on your Laker gear. Put on your Laker hats, put on your Laker, get a Laker tattoo, like whatever you got to do to, to remind yourself, I'm no longer on that other team. I am now team Christ. And every day I will wake up and I will reaffirm who I am in Christ. So my appeal for you this morning, if you haven't already, is that you would go to our website and that you would download those daily declarations and in downloading those daily declarations, you will begin to declare the word of God over your life. Remind yourself every single morning who you are in Christ. That you are chosen, that you are holy, that you are a priest, that you are loved, that you are his son, his daughter. And when you, when you declare who you are in Christ, your life will begin to align with what you declare yourself to be. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your word today, which reminds us, teaches us that we have died because you went to the Calvary. We went with you. We have died. So now I am now dead to sin and I am free to marry another. I can marry my Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, the devil tries to convince us that we are not on team Christ, but that he still has possession of us because of maybe sometimes he gets us to fall, to stumble. But Lord, your word tells us that a righteous man falls, but he gets back up again. That I can be on team Christ and I can still stumble and fall, but I keep getting him up again. And I keep reminding myself that I am on the winning side. I won't beat myself up. I'm not living under condemnation. I am free in Christ Jesus. So God, my prayers for that man, that woman, that child, that husband, that wife, that student, that young adult, that senior citizen who's listening to this. And all of their life, they have lived feeling a disconnect between your word and what they actually, how they live. God, I just pray right now that they would embrace their identity in you. 
that they would no longer believe themselves to be sinners. Yes, they were sinners, but now they are righteous because Jesus, you are living in them by faith. And as you live in them, produce in them every good and perfect gift that you desire them to manifest. Oh God, this is my prayer for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.